Except it's the only album art that I agree with Zach on was not their greatest album art at all whatsoever. Yeah. The, the record before that is better album art. Uh, it's been a long week. How's everybody doing? Oh, it's it's been good. Right in. There's no there's no waiting. I, I need to I need to I need to get the fuck out of my job. Uh, I can't yeah. I can't I can't retire any sooner. But if I could, I would I would do it. Um, but obviously, I'm obligated by things I can't talk about. So. What what'd you guys do this week? Any, any did anyone do anything outrageous or witness anything outrageous? No, unfortunately not. Okay. Uh, right now I'm reading a book called uh, The Body Keeps the Score. It's about how trauma is stored in the body and so because of that I've started walking into the ocean. I hate swimming and I hate being cold and so doing that like I always hate it and then I feel great afterwards. And okay. that's my story about this week. Right. So the swimming, the swimming's a good habit for me, I think. So uh, I shat myself on a run. All right. Nice. So what I did was I had to poop in the woods. Okay. Okay. So I was literally, but it, it wasn't like a, a hard poop, man. It was like I ate. I, it's because I had curry, and the poop. What it felt like was, have you ever had like diarrhea that felt like it was lodged on your O ring? And then, like, you put force on it, and then one poop part, one poop fragment comes out, and then the rest just comes out like water and shit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I, I was like, fuck, man, I, I can't believe this shit. Um, like, I, I have to poop, and I went into the woods, I pooped, and then I was like, man, how am I going to wipe my ass? I looked at my socks, and I said, right. You're not going to exist anymore. And I was like, like, Jay hooking to make sure that like my butthole was good. Sure. And the rest of the run, uh, I, I as soon as I got home, I got back immediately, and then I, I washed up because I was just like, "This is." I had the itchiest asshole running, and it's like when your butt cheeks are like this, and then you have yes. fucking you have shit fragment in between your butthole. Yeah, it yes. makes things really yeah. uncomfortable. What the fuck is God up dead. with this guy? What is up with him? Yeah, Jack's having technical difficulties. All right. Well, let's just get to it since he can stop acting like a fucking retard. You ready? Are you Jack? No, his, are you? No, ready? no, I'm here. Here's the thing. Okay. Oh, actually, introduce Rob. Introduce Rob. Then I'll then I'll say what's up. Okay. Okay. So so now I'm taking orders from this. Okay. All right. So we're back. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys are doing. To all of our Canadian friends listening to, thank you for now listening to the show. We love you, and we wish you the best America Junior, okay? First, I'd like to introduce a, a great man, a man who doesn't need an introduction, but fuck it, we're going to give it to him anyway. He isn't gay, but he has converted many men, Mr. Rob Fortune. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to see you. You look great, buddy. Nice haircut. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's summer now. I was saying a couple weeks ago how I'm still wearing long johns, even though it's May. And uh, now it's boiling lava hot, so the hair has to go too. 
Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And it looks appropriate. It looks good, man. All right. Thank you. This this uh, light shines in on my uh, receding hairline, so uh, I, I don't know. I'm doing the best I can here. It's not as bad as Jack Falcon's. His He's like... working with what he's got. Yeah, I don't even take my hat off anymore. I, I, I would not for the sake of your face. I would just yeah. leave it on there. Just keep it on there. Uh, you look you look weird. Um, all right. This man isn't on the FBI watch list, but he should be Mr. Jack motherfucking Falcon. Jack, let's go. Hi, everybody. Hang on. See, you guys were expecting me to open a beer, but last time when I did it, uh, it, was, it didn't make any noise because it wasn't being picked up. So I did some experiments, and for some reason, through... Uh, Discord, it doesn't pick up that specific noise. Like, I'm going to snap into the microphone, and you're you shouldn't be able to hear it. Ready? Okay, now you can fucking hear it. We heard that. I heard that. All right, then I'm going to try to open this then. All right, let's so go. Anyway, we... I, I changed my settings for push to talk instead of just picking up your voice. That's why when I pushed the button, it kept bringing me out of the video. Anyway, whatever. We're going to see if it picks this up. I doubt it's going to. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's a crispy. What you is got... going on here? <laughs> that's crispy. I... That sounded great. Oh, okay. I don't know what's going on, but this well, is a Sam Adams. It sounded great. Uh, high quality beer. Yep. Good for you. Yeah, good yeah, beer. Yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot, like, we're trying to get this down to a science, what beer makes the best pop noise. Like, we have aluminum can versus the bottle. We have, like, cheap 50-cent beer versus, like, $2 beers, $5 beers. And I'm getting kind of stuff all over the spectrum, so... I'm not exactly sure what is going to be the best, but it's probably can. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's can. I don't think it's a. It's got to be like a, a craft beer somewhere, like an independent brewer, and they they did like thousands of tests to figure out, man, we want the crispiest crispy boy we can ever get. Yeah. All right, give me one thousand cans. We're gonna do this. All right, <laughs> add more hops. When you open a beer in a in a bar, they want everyone to hear it. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's classic. It, and and if not, it should have like a little microchip that says, oh, yeah, as you open it. And you're just like, fuck, yeah, pour that shit. Pour it, daddy. It just talks? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we, start, before we start King Diamond, there's two things that I want to say about last episode of Cake. One, I was so caught up in talking about Cake, I forgot to mention how much I love this trumpet player. He's fucking awesome. He's great. Now, secondly, I'm on a bike ride with Becca. And I bring up friend is a four letter word because we talked about it. Everyone liked that song. Yeah. I was saying that that song, uh, at least the, the chorus of it, is like uh, someone calling you a friend who isn't really your friend. Right. So he says coming from you, friend is a four letter word and is the only part of the word that I heard. Call me morbid or absurd. But to me, coming from you, friend is a four letter word. So wh where Becca says, I think that song is actually about unrequited love slash being in the friend zone. So then I go to the second verse of the song where he says, when I go fishing for the words that I'm wishing you would say to me, I'm really only praying that the words you'll soon be saying will betray the way you feel about me. So, yes, this is the dude is in the friend zone and uh, the girl is calling him a friend. And he's like pretty much that is equivalent to like a four letter word where it's like hurting my feelings. I don't want to be your friend. I want to be with you or whatever. So I wanted to clear that up because she's right. Completely correct. that That's what the song is about. And I've been thinking about it for like the past week. So that that you're you're you've you've been in the friend zone. Have you ever been in the friend zone? Um, yeah, probably a couple times. But the thing of it is, is I don't like if like I'm. There's pretty much no girl that I've met on Earth that I'm not dating that I want to hang out more than with like Jomo or Rob or some of my other friends. So there's no real friend zone to be had. I'm not going to if we're not like involved in some point. I'm not going to be hanging around watching TV with you. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I got. I'm on. The, I'm on the greener pastures. No, you need penis sucked. I mean, that's that's minimum. <laughs> okay. I, 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 min, yeah. Minimum is handy, and I want the double hand work. Don't give me the little. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I want no, the twist. You, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. No, you don't want the rubs like that. Or or the over. Jer, Jer, no, no, you don't want that. Jerry did that. He said he got like a like a sunburn on it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you don't want a rub. You don't want to rub it side to side like that. Well, you gotta you gotta put some like lubriderm CQ like the fucking yeah, right. high end. There needs to be some lubrication. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I want the good shit, the one that gets rid of eczema. Like that's that's a that's a lotion I want. <laughs> yeah, the good stuff. Eczema, the e- eczema dick. All right, bro. I have bro. I have hand eczema and it's painful as hell. Yo, so I never had it, and and check yeah. this out. I I never had it before. I got out to California, the Mojave Desert, and you know I'm there for work, and yep. out of nowhere, it's like this white dot on my shirt, this white speck. You ru- you ruined my fucking story. I'm listening, you're so you're fucking, out there. You're fucking you hired a hooker. I, I, the, the story goes like this: You went out there, you hired a hooker, you got uh, you got whatever eczema on your hands. Yeah, eczema, eczema. Yeah, no, no. So I was just I was going for a run one day, and I started to get really itchy on my ankles, and. All of a sudden, like the next day, it started like getting an eczema patch and then got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was going up my fucking calf, dude. I never had this shit ever. Well, you have it now. Yeah, I definitely have it. At least it now. it's not contagious. I know, like herpes, you know? <laughs> like, like everything else you have. Okay, so I'm going to start. Does anyone want to say anything else? I, I want to just. Uh... Rob, can you shit on him, please? He's, he's being a dick. I'm not. Consider yourself shit on. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to talk about King Diamond today. A couple things I want to say about him before, like pretty much, um, I didn't realize just how uh, big and uh, popular King Diamond still is in the world of music. I feel like it's high school, but it could be later where Rob and I were into uh, Merciful Fate for a while. Um, Melissa and then Don't Break the Oath which is going to come up at some point, but like to see, um, so I never listened to any of, this is the first time I listened to any of King Diamond's solo stuff ever. And um, so I'm, I was surprised to see that his stuff is still going. Um, and he has some odd thing, like he's done some work or worked with artists uh, recently that you would probably not think that uh, he would have any association with. Um, so here's just some, a couple things I wanted to say about King Diamond. Uh, following Merciful Fate's 1984 release of Don't Break the Oath and its subsequent tour, a Diamond split with the band. He took two of his bandmates with him, bass player Timmy Hansen and guitar player Michael Denner, to pursue a solo career under his own name. So if anyone was listening to King Diamond and you were wondering, uh, are any of these other members from Merciful Fate, uh, bass player and guitar player originally were. I don't know how long they stayed with the band. Um, uh, I have a picture for this one. Here's a picture of King Diamond. He, he sings with this, uh, this bone cross with his microphone. And as you, on the right, you can see he has the skull. Uh, on stage, Diamond uses a microphone stand consisting of a femur bone and a tibia bone in the shape of a cross. He previously used a human skull called Melissa on stage. In the mid-1980s, Melissa was stolen after a performance in the Netherlands. So that's why he doesn't use the skull anymore. Some dickhead stole it. Fucking Dutch. Goddamn. Dutch are pieces uh, of shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next. Capcom made an homage uh, to this, to, I can't remember which album. Oh, from Abigail. Capcom made an homage to this album and its 1989 video game, Final Fight, naming the fifth, na- naming the boss of its fifth stage, uh, Abigail. This boss also has a face very similar to King Diamond's. And I'm going to drop that picture. And there it, there it is. You can see the face paint. <laughs> that is Angel it. Abigail. 
Even though Abigail is a female name, the boss is male. That that looks like a fucking a WWF wrestler from fucking 1987. Get the fuck out of here. That's exactly what they look like in, in uh, Final Fight. All right, all right. Uh, Diamond was a special celebrity guest star in four episodes of Metalocalypse as the blues devil Ronald Von Moldenberg, a fast food manager in one of the Clocketeers in 2006. Uh, in 2006, uh, Diamond reunited with Mickey D., who was the drummer of Motorhead from 1992 to 2015, and he also played on Fatal Portrait, Abigail, Them, and Conspiracy, which are the first four solo King Diamond albums. Uh, he, he reunited him at a sold-out show, and uh, Diamond has previously referred to D as one of the best drummers of all time, uh, and that's something that has bothered uh, him since he left the band. Uh, Diamond made an appearance at Ozfest on August 9th, 2008, uh, in Texas, alongside Metallica, performing the 11-minute medley of Merciful Fate songs previously released on Metallica's Garage Inc. album. He also performed a cover of a Pantera song, A New Level, which is from Far Beyond Driven, I think, uh, with Vinnie Paul, Scott Ian, Max Cal uh, Cavalera, and, and Nick uh, Bocott. So Scott Ian, who is one of everyone's favorite here, was involved there. Oh, in the medley, the 11-minute medley contains the songs Satan's Fall, Curse of the Pharaohs, A Corpse Without Soul, Into the Coven, and Evil. Couple more here. In 2009, Diamond was revealed to be a playable character in the game Guitar Hero Metallica, uh, appearing uh, with the Merciful Fate song Evil. The player must complete the song on any, on any instrument and any difficulty to unlock the character, and I'll show you what he looks like in the game. So he doesn't just have a song in the game. He's actually in the game. You can be him. There he is right there. Oh, shit. Also in 2009, Welcome Home from Them and Cremation from Conspiracy were featured in the game Brutal Legend, which I love that game. It has Jack Black. Uh, he plays the main guy. I fucking hate uh, Jack Black. Uh, <laughs> great game. Uh, it's also that's by Tim Schafer, who made Psychonauts, if anyone played that game great game. Uh, in 2012, Diamond uh, performed his comeback concert in uh, at Sweden's uh, Rock Festival. Uh, he appeared on Volbeat's 2013 album Outlaw, Gentlemen, and Shady Ladies, uh, providing guest vocals on the track Room 24. Uh, Volbeat is like a rock band uh, that you'd hear on the radio, so I was uh, pretty surprised to see that that happened. I posted that earlier in the chat. Uh, Slayer was chosen to headlight the 2015 Rockstar Energy Mayhem Festival with the band's Hell Yeah, King Diamond, uh, The Devil Wears Prada, Thy Art is Murder, uh, Jungle Rot, Sister Sin, uh, Sworn In, Shattered Sun, Feeder to the Sharks, uh, Code Orange, and Kissing Candice uh, as participated in the Rockstar Tour. So, like, they, they've been playing with people like Slayer in 2015. And then finally, King Diamond and his wife had their first child in 2017, making Diamond about 60 years old and his wife being 33 at the time. Surprises just worked. Holy shit. So, I thought that those were all interesting facts about King Diamond. And hopefully that cleared up a couple things in case people were wondering. There's 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 one important fact that you missed. Yes. All right, is King yep. Diamond's song "Welcome Home" was on what movie? What what Kevin Smith movie? Oh yeah, I saw this on the Clerks too. Ah, <laughs> uh, you never go ask that, your mouth. You never. Go that, that's mouth. odd as well. So uh, what? Uh, so well, it's, I think it's odd for a King Diamond song to be in like a Clerks movie, but I don't think it is. I mean, oh, okay. Jay and Silent Bob were were in the movie. And they're metalheads. Yeah, well, they, definitely. They're kind of like stoners, but all right. All right, so we'll, we'll go in order of the releases. We're going to start with Fatal Portrait. I'm dropping the album artwork in the uh, chat. And That's I have to say, ugly. King Diamond has uh, even Merciful Fate. They have pretty great artwork. There's one album cover that I hate that spans uh, the 
records not it's not one we listen to but it's in the realm we actually skipped over one record to go to the eye but in general he has great uh, album art I, I think they knocked it out of the park with it so fatal portrait is a nine track record released in 1986 it's the first studio album from king diamond after his departure from merciful fate the title of the album comes from the picture of dorian gray by oscar wilde where wilde describes the painting as the fatal portrait several times throughout the novel uh, along with the spider's lullaby it is one of the band's only albums only albums which is not a whole concept album uh, is there anything specific oh and singles i guess halloween was a single it's really fine, hard to dig up singles on uh king diamond albums uh so what would someone like to say about fatal portrait Jomo first no 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 so um i i took a i listened to these albums i think at least three times you know each fucking album and the first thing like the first track should have been split into two right it kind of had like this interest themed um intro to the album and then it transitioned into the song i felt that that should have um that should have been split it didn't it didn't to me it doesn't sound right it sounded like something that shitty ass cradle filth would do and i'm like eh, don't don't do this don't don't do that to me and you could definitely tell like cradle filth dima borgia those black metal bands from like um black and goth metal bands from like northern europe and shit they took a lot of influence from King Diamond, a lot of influence. So, yes. Getting to back to this album, though, however, like the the first song should have been split into two, uh, with the it should have been an intro or named something specific that's close to an intro, and then put the put put the song as a song itself on the second part. Uh, listening to the Jonah, I, I thought it was it sounds very appropriate for the era, right? I just wish the best way to put it is. I wish they had better recording quality because you could definitely tell it. It's kind of sound like what's the first Slayer album? I don't, oh, No Mercy. No Mercy, right? It has that same like um, echoing studio quality. Do you you kind of follow my drift? Like it, it kind of. So yeah. I thought that the I thought that the King Diamond albums were actually recorded pretty well. Um, when I think about bad recordings of music that's popular, the original two Megadeth albums come to mind. I even think Peace Cells is not that good of a quality of recording. I don't mean like the music there. I just mean the I think the quality could be a lot better. And I was surprised with how good the King Diamond uh, recording quality was as a whole. Well, to me, I mean, my ear maybe I'm fucking don't have the fucking Jack Falcon ear of death or whatever, but. To me, I, I didn't think the quality was that good. It sounded like a little echoey. It sounded definitely like maybe a hollow studio that wasn't proofed right. The song The Haunted, um, <laughs> I don't know if you ever played StarCraft, but some of the guitar riffs kind of sound like fucking, um, sound like you're playing StarCraft. And to, to me, it's like the bass in that song too sounded like, um, uh, who's a bassist from fucking Iron Maiden? Steve Harris, right? And it's, it, he kind of sounds like, you could definitely tell he got some influence from Steve Harris, and it kind of sounds the same way, like when they're some of the riffs. So I didn't think it was a bad album, right? I, I would just say that I wish it was a better quality. Uh, I'll go into vocals later because I'm gonna have to shit on King Diamond, but I'll, I'll leave it from there. Yeah, the vo King Diamond's vocals are a very touchy subject, like in the entire community of King Diamond. Uh, there is always people saying that they love them, and then on the, there's just as many people saying they fucking hate them. You, do you, uh, I'll tell you my true opinion about it. Um, the singer is not—it's not falsetto. It's called ear rape, and yeah, it yeah. sounds annoying. It's—it sounds like you're trying to push falsetto on me way too hard. Stop trying to make falsetto happen. It's never gonna happen, okay? Um, I believe I heard that in a movie that I, I won't name. Anyway, so 
But there's it, just, a, there's it sounds, a, it's screaming. It's not falsetto. So there's a there's a live uh, concert of him from like two months ago, and I thought it was funny that his backup singer is a female because I'm going to guess they couldn't find a guy that could hit those notes uh, that he hits constantly. I, I was up and down with his singing. At points, he was my least favorite part of the band, <laughs> and then at points, like because so the I've never heard of this guitar player before, and I'm in love with him more than mm -hmm. I've been in love with any guitar player. Like I love the dude from Primus, and he's up there. But this dude specifically does everything I love. And for these albums to be as early as they are, to be doing like guitar techniques that you still hear. Well, some of them, unfortunately, you don't hear today. I'm, I'm going to talk about one of them in Abigail because it's really abundant on that album. Um, I love all the members of this band. And there's a lot of times. So, okay. Uh, okay. Let me finish this thought. I got a billion things I want to say about King Diamond. Yeah. You, so, did you take your um, meds today? What's going on? I'm up and down. Right now, I am up on King Diamond. I love him. I love the falsetto. I love going up and down because uh, he has great registers, low, middle, upper. He has he is the whole spectrum. His voice is fantastic. Even at 60 years old, he's great. So at some points, I'm like, okay, I'm overwhelmed by it. I don't want any more. Just use the lower register. Uh, but at my point right now, I'm high on King Diamond, and I'm like, yes, I like it, and I want more. And at some point, that's going to change to where I'm going to say, I don't want any more. Bring me down to like the regular singing areas of people or whatever. Um, gentlemen, did you want to say anything else? Uh, I didn't think it, I, I thought it was a good album for not being a King Diamond concept album. And I did dive into more of his disc discography, like, uh, how he, you know, cause there's, there's an Abigail too. Um, yeah. and I haven't listened to it yet, but yeah, I did see that. I, I, I think I'm going to listen to it on my own just to see how, what it's all about. And I've heard of King Diamond. The first time I honestly heard of King Diamond was listening to Clerks too, right? And I was like, who's singing that song? You know, like, eh, it's pretty funny. And then I got into them. So when Mr. Rob Fortune was like, hey, we're listening to King Diamond, motherfucker. I'm just like, all right. Uh, I've heard a few of his songs, but the guitar. Uh, you're talking about Andy LaRock. Andy LaRock is a fucking savage, bro. Yeah, he is. He I, is a beast. Bro. I, I was I was like, holy shit, man. Like, how good are you? Like, he he, he can, his ability, his technique is... Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's shitting on most '80s guitarists. Yeah, he, he's he, untouchable. He, he's he, on a, he's untouchable status. He's god tier. He, he's heard of, but it kind of like he fell into obscurity with kind of like the the, the black metal or goth metal of you know King Diamond. You know, it, yeah. and he has worked with a lot of people. But who who you know ask anyone major today? Are they going to know who Andy LaRock is? If they're if they're a guitar connoisseur, of course they're going to know who Andy the fucking LaRock is. But yeah. I would say it was a good album. Um, I just wish that certain parts, like the fucking singing, were uh, were just growls or just like a uh, some sort of like baritone singing or something like that. Yeah, it's not my favorite of the four. Um, and I think later on he he kind of does more of a mix of the lower and upper instead of, of you know so much of the upper. Uh, Rob, why don't you tell us about this record? Um, yeah, so uh, my my introduction was to Mar Merciful Fate first. It was 2007, and I was in a car with uh, my friend Metal Mike, and my metal uh, he's like, dude, you gotta listen to Merciful Fate. I'm gonna sing you a song right now, and so he sings me an acapella version of Evil, and I laughed so hard that I got erect. It was uh, <laughs> what the fuck? It, 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 I don't I don't know how to explain it. It was just like it was the I'll best. Be Imagine, yeah, just imagine, like, imagine somebody singing you uh, King Diamond uh, acapella, like full volume, uh, just in your car, like right next to you. It was yeah. just that. That was an exceptional concert he gave me. But yeah, it, uh, at the time, 
I had never heard anyone like quickly go from like a low voice to like a super high, uh, like aggressive note, uh, at least not in that way. And then combined with like the, the, the lyrics to evil, it's, it's, it reminds me of like an eighties horror movie. Um, so there was something funny about it and there was, um, I don't know. So I, and then I started listening to merciful fate and I really loved it. Um, merciful fate is super influential. I, I would say that, uh, it's, it's credited as forming black metal, power metal. Uh, there's like four genres that came out of Merciful Fate, basically. And like when Metallica was interviewing for band members, they said like, must love Merciful Fate. So yeah, when they when they had uh, songs on Garage Inc., it you know, makes sense. Uh, so they were super influential. So if Cradle of Filth is still robbing from them, uh, you know, 15 years afterwards, you know, uh, these out, like Melissa was 83. Don't Break the Oath was 84. Fatal Portrait was 86, I think. Yep. So, yeah, th- these ba- these these guys were super influential. Recording quality, I love the recording quality on Melissa. Uh, I think that I I have a certain beef with the, the modern music, which is super computerized and, you know, digital sounding and, uh, you know, gates and compression and all that. You know, to me, Melissa is just like a, it's it's loud, and so you got balls behind it, and then... You know, there's no fuckery beyond that, and yeah. so I, I I love that. I don't know that every King Diamond album lives up to Melissa for me, but I don't know if I'm biased just because Melissa's the first one I heard or whatever. So so back to vocals. I love Merciful Fate's vocals, and the reason I suggested King Diamond is because I I had been told that you know I I used to tell people that I love Merciful Fate, and they're like, well, you got to listen to King Diamond. The music's better. Don't know if I agree or not, but I I do know that uh. The vocals irritated me more. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Jack, Jack, you, Jack, you said the word overwhelmed. I think overwhelmed mm-hmm. is right. It takes a lot of bandwidth to like to tolerate like changes and um, like I, I tolerate Meshuga better than I tolerate King Diamond. How dare, because... mm, motherfucker! What? You don't tolerate fucking Meshuga. You embrace it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so um um so like mashuga is is complicated but there's repetition within yeah. the uh you know it might be a, it might be a long ass phrase in, in which it only repeats at the end of a very long sequence but still there's a repetition to it so it doesn't take up so much bandwidth uh, uh king diamond there's so many changes you know there's, there's so many guitar riffs in a song and on top of that, the singer doesn't pick one register for more than three seconds at a time. So I, overwhelmed is the right word. And yeah, uh, like you're saying, Jack, the singer might be my least favorite uh, member of the band, depending on the hour that I'm listening to it. I, I tend to like these albums 20 minutes at a time, and then I have to turn it off. Yeah. Um, when we talked about the scale of, of metal bands you can get your girlfriend to listen to, uh, at the very tail end, we have um, Gorguts. Uh, and at the other side, we have Tesseract or whichever one we chose from, sure. from that episode. I And then somewhere in the towards the to, further away from Tesseract, we have Mashuga. I think that you can get your girlfriend into Mashuga e- easier than you can get her into King Diamond. Um, I showed this to Becca, like, I, so I was up cooking some breakfast earlier, and uh, Becca's, like, doing her nails at the table, and so I was like, okay, do you mind if I listen to King Diamond up here, because I know she hates it, and yeah. she's like, yeah, that's fine, and as soon as I press play, right, like, it was in the middle of them, I believe, and uh, some, so I don't know what song it was, and, like, the first thing when I press play, it's, like, this high-ass falsetto thing, and immediately she's like, oh, God, I hate this. 
so like, uh, and, and plus she's not into the 80s stuff anyway, but I think that you can get uh, your girlfriend into Mashuga easier than King Diamond. Probably. And, and I really think that the, the piece here is it's the vocal style. You either have to love, you will either love or hate the vocal style. And that's, but like, I, I keep bouncing back and forth. The first time I listened to it, I was like, eh, it's too much for me. These albums are also like 45 minutes long. This is what I talked about with Gorguts being like an hour long album of just brutal fucking metal in your face for an hour um, versus like a th- like a, a Rain and Blood or something like that, where it's like a half an hour, 28 minutes. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier to come in and get out. So uh, I do like this record. It isn't my favorite of his stuff. King Diamond is, you have to listen to it. You have, it, it's an acquired taste. Um, it's going to take time to really like it, but people who like it love it. When I watched that show two months ago, people were losing their minds in the crowd. They were going crazy, and it was awesome. And it's like, I respect the dude. I respect his talent. But, yeah, there's also, I don't even know if any of his songs have choruses at all. Like, I don't, there was not, like, one specific hook that I remember hearing in, like, any song where I was, like, humming it in my head or, like, re-singing it in my head or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. It's a lot to take in. But, yeah, this, I mean, this is in, the whole band is fantastic. That's the thing. When I say, like, King Diamond might not be my favorite, it's just the other dude shines so bright. It's not even that he doesn't shine that bright. It's that the other ones are just so good. And it's crazy just how early, like, even Merciful Fate doing crazy guitar stuff in, like, 83, 82, 81, whatever. Um, you know, it's like you have, like, 60s shit. You have 70s shit, right? And then you have, like, the 80s stuff that it evolves and all that stuff, which a lot of the stuff we use now in modern metal, modern music. And it's just surprising to me, like, the guy's techniques and the stuff that he does in 1986 or 1985 when it's like people, a lot of people can't even do that now. So it's just impressive yeah. in general. This, this band as a whole is impressive. It's just, if you're going to like King Diamond, it's like, can you digest the falsetto singing or are you going to be like Jumbo and call it ear rape and, and be checked down on it? It's definitely ear um, rape. I, I don't think that there's a bad song on any of these albums. It's hard. To, it's actually hard for me to distinguish uh, between songs because I just listen to them in one long piece. I do want to just want to talk about the uh, story of this album because I was reading about it on Wikipedia and it didn't. the write-up doesn't actually make sense and I think the write-up on Wikipedia is wrong so I had to go and read all the lyrics and I believe I have this the way it's supposed to be. If not, don't murder me. If Just go and update the uh, description on Wikipedia because it's definitely wrong over there. All right, ready? Five songs in this album. The Candle, The Jonah, The Portrait, Dressed in White, and Haunted form a short story. Uh, the narrator sees a face in every candle that he burns. This face speaks one word to him, Jonah. So he finds an old book, speaks a rhyme, and frees, a sp- frees the spirit from the candle. It's the spirit of a little girl named Molly who tells him her story. That happened seven years before. Miss Jane kept her four-year-old daughter Molly in an attic until Molly died. Miss Jane then paints Molly's portrait and put it above her fireplace so that Molly would become immortal. Molly comes to life again in the fatal portrait and speaks to her mother so that Jane would know about Molly's pain. Miss, uh, Mrs. Jane then speaks rhyme and burns the portrait. Uh, a free spirit of Molly returns to haunt her until she goes insane. So that is the apparently the storyline of the five songs that make up the mini concept of this record. Uh, one thing that you're going to see as we discuss these albums is the storylines are pretty brutal. Some of them get quite insane. I was surprised uh, how far some of these lyrics went. Like, the story that we just talked about is pretty deep, and then the fact that she comes and haunts her mother until she goes insane. That's some pretty... That's some pretty uh, it's revenge, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, yeah, is, that, is there anything else people would like to say about Fatal Portrait until we, before we move on to Abigail? Ready to move on. Okay, let me just drop the artwork. So I think Abigail is my favorite album by King Diamond. It's, it's between Abigail and them, but I think Abigail is my favorite. 
I like the artwork. Oh, it, it's fantastic. It's, you're going to see the one that I hate, and I hope you haven't already seen it because it sucks. Uh, so Abigail's a nine-track record released in 1987. Singles from this album are uh, The Family Ghost. And I want to read, it's about like five paragraphs to read what this is about. So why don't we just talk about this record before I go through and read it? Um, uh, Rob, do you want to start off with this one? I, I burned up most of what I say I have to say about this band. I, I think I, I like this one more than Fatal Portrait. Um, just today, I listened to the second half of the album because I tend to, when I listen from the beginning to end, I a lot of times can't make it all the way to the end without turning it off. So I listen to the second half of the album. I like the second half of the album. On Spotify, Abigail has seven and a half million views, whereas the other hits on the album have two million. So you might say that Abigail is the hit of this album. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so like uh, that one uses um, like creepy scales and uh, the, the songwriting is a little less spastic. So I was into that one. And then Black Horseman, I liked a lot also. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it, it's funny that you say that you, you burned up everything you had to say because I feel exactly the same. When I was doing my write-ups for King Diamond today, it's more of like, I don't hate any of these records. They all kind of like, if someone would play me a song, I don't know if I could tell you which album it came off of. And that, I don't mean that like in a negative way. It's just, he has, they all have a style and um, it's, it's really good. I don't have any, like besides liking one album more than the other i don't have like it's not like listening to like appetite for destruction versus like use your illusion 2 where you could like there's distinct differences between the records there's a lot of things that bleed over between these and yeah like i don't have a whole lot to say about king diamond besides the notes that i have here which isn't too crazy like when we talked about cake we all had different uh you know specific songs all that kind of stuff talk about different records um you know whatever uh song meanings whatever uh this though when i was listening to him i really don't have too too much to say uh, besides what we've already said so i i do feel the same way there was one i, th I think it was on this album there was a, a solo section okay yeah one, one thing i love about merciful fate king diamond is something that went out of style in the 80s or whatever but at the time you could string together like seven guitar riffs uh, all with key changes and all that, and you, the yes. guitarist player would solo all, over all of it, and you'd tell this really detailed story of that like goes all these places. It's not, it's it feels totally different than just soloing over the chorus, and it's just like, you, I don't know. So I really loved uh, the key changes, and um, yeah, and there's there's one there was one area. Uh, honestly, it was this album where the solos were ripping. There's there's key changes. There's double bass. And I was getting really into it, and the song ends. And I'm like, you, you were just teasing me with something I loved, and you ended it before I got to even feel it. Like, I just yeah. started to comprehend what was happening, and then it was over. And that's what drives me crazy about, you know, songs with too many riffs and stuff. I remember uh, when we were talking about Guns N' Roses, I watched a, a, a live video of Slash playing with some clowns. Oh, I think it was the Fergie video. Sure. Uh, and there was a key change in the middle of his solo, and he didn't even change with it. He just ignored it and uh, yeah boo yeah exactly like when people change and everything it's great we've talked about this with merciful fate before how they change with the key changes when they're soloing and it's awesome so yeah. there's a there's a guitar technique called i believe I, okay at one point it was called the cricket i'm pretty sure it's when you're like bending a note and you hit the whammy bar and it makes a very distinct sound and this guy does it all the time and it's my favorite it's one of my favorite guitar techniques of all time um i can't do it because the guitars i play don't have whammy bars so i really don't have practice with it <clears throat> 
but Alexi Leho does it every now and then. And it's something that always makes my ear perk up. And this guy does it all the time. And it sounds great. And I love it. And that's another thing like that has gone out of style. Nobody does it. I don't know if it's because they play guitars without whammy bars. They don't know how to do it. It's too difficult, whatever. But it's something you don't hear anymore. So like, this is what I'm saying. When I hear guitar techniques like this uh, in the 80s, it's like, okay, I know people weren't doing that in the 70s. So uh, it's an 80s thing where it was you know, being created. And for this guy to be that good at it, in in the 80 in, the, in that era it's 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 really impressive i love this guitar player um i'm trying to think if there's anything specific else i want to say about this but yeah this is a great album this is my favorite of the four that we listen to i also love how like the albums have these intros they're very like haunting that's one thing about that volbeat song he played like this he his singing was like this haunting background part for some of it and then of course like you hear is like very famous uh the falsetto stuff come but i love like the haunting stuff that we get uh, from the band and from him singing and everything like that it's it's yeah. cool yeah uh, Jomo, Jomo is there anything you want to say so i think it was a great idea for a concept album i could de- de- have him listen to like uh stuff like demu borgir um uh some voivode uh cradle filth which i don't listen to anymore holy shit i would say it's a great concept album um strong songs that i felt uh mansion uh in darkness and um I think the end of Family Ghost is fucking annoying. Like, I don't like the 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 the, the it, it was a good song, right? But it's just like wah, wah. it sounds like a cat being strangled and having a rod shoved up its ass. Like, don't do that to the cat. Leave it alone. But that's how annoying it sounds to me. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Um, Omen, the song Omen. Thought the guitars. I thought the all the instrumentals were fucking on point for that song. However, like. It was just ruined, just ruined by the vocals, man. Because it, it it was fast paced, it was good. I just, I think Abigail was the worst song on this album, and yeah. I'm not saying that just to be the can't like the counter, you know, guy who sure. just wants to fucking say it. I just don't like it. I don't like the the falsettos and Abigail. Oh, I don't sure. like that shit. I just don't like it. I think King Diamond sounds a lot better. If he just, you know, just fucking just screamed in a, in a raw manner or in a baritone, whatever the fucking vocal range, just not right. in falsetto, man. And but, but he needs to have something that separates him from other singers. This is like going back to the cake thing where you're like, oh, I don't like him because he's lazy. Uh, but that's like his style. What is he supposed to do? Just sound like everybody else? I, I, I just, I, I he, disagree. I think he does it too much. He does. He, yes, does, he yes. definitely does it too much. And, and it, ruins, it ruins some great fucking songs because I just don't want to hear that pitch. Yeah. When no, I'm listening, I, yeah. I just I'm just like, hey man, you don't have to do that. The the, the instrumentals are fucking savage as shit for their for, yeah, for that yeah. era. And even today they're they're enduring. However, his range, man, it just bothers me. And I don't think he needs to do it. Great, great idea for a concept album. Love the album artwork. Very impressed. If you look from Fatal Portrait to fucking Abigail, drastic differences in like, you know, musicianship and how well it was crafted. I just the, I, I'm bothered by the vocals each time, and it, it, I just wish he wouldn't go into that high pitch range. Or maybe he should have had a female singer come in there and incorporate, you know, a true falsetto, not a screaming falsetto. You know what I'm saying? So if a band dropped this album today, I would be impressed. So to have this album dropped 30 years ago, I'm even more impressed. Yeah, I, uh, it's not a bad album. Yeah. No, I'm just saying in general, like, dude, like you said, this band is savage, dude. They're sure. so good. They're so good. I want to read you guys the, the story of this album. Is that all right with everybody? Yes. I guess. Yeah. All right. This, one's good. this is the longest one, so I'm going to do it as quick as possible. But 
All right, here we go. Abigail tells the story of a young couple, Miriam and Jonathan, who move into an old mansion uh, that they inherited. It takes place in the summer of 1845. At their arrival, they are warned by seven horsemen not to move into the house because if they do, eight will become nine. Excuse me, 18 will become nine. They do not heed the warning and proceed to move into the mansion. During their first night, Jonathan meets the Count de la Fay, the family ghost, who is a deceased relative. The ghost shows him a casket in which a corpse of a stillborn child, Abigail, rests. The ghost informs him that Miriam is carrying the spirit of Abigail and that the child will soon be reborn. He insists that Jonathan must kill Miriam at once to prevent the rebirth. The narrator then relates the story of what happened to the Count and his wife on uh, July 7th, 1777. The Count had discovered his wife had been unfaithful to him and was pregnant with an illegitimate child. Enraged, he threw the Countess down the stairs, breaking her neck and causing the child to be stillborn. The Count had the body of the Countess cremated, and the stillborn fetus he named Abigail and had mummified and laid to rest in a sarcophagus, the Count having an inexplicable urge to preserve Abigail for the future. The narration then returns to the summer of 1845, during which Jonathan and Miriam are beset by a range of omens. The church bell rings despite nobody being inside to ring it. Flowers die. Unwholesome stenches fill the house, and in the dining room, the table is discovered set for three. In one incident, an empty cradle is discovered by Jonathan swaying in the air, with both him and Miriam insisting they didn't bring it with them. The next day, Miriam is clearly pregnant, and the fetus develops quickly. Jonathan realizes that the family ghost was speaking the truth. The fatal crisis begins when Jonathan accuses Abigail of, possess of possessing Miriam, and Abigail, through Miriam, admits, admits it. Jonathan is terrified and considers getting a priest to exorcise Miriam. Miriam, however, exercising a moment of control, urges him to cast her down the stairs to kill her, just as the Count had slain the Countess and Abigail's uh, original incarnation. Therefore, Jonathan pretends to give in to Abigail's demands and suggests to Abigail, once she regains control of Miriam, that she should come down to the family crypt so that uh, she can be reborn where she died. However, as the couple stands at the top of the stairs, Jonathan is distracted and the possessed Miriam pushes Jonathan down the stairs. Miriam gives birth to Abigail, but dies shortly afterwards. Uh, her last sight being Abigail's yellow eyes, supposedly her ghost can be heard screaming in the stairs in July ever after. The seven horsemen arrive at the mansion and discover the baby Abigail in the sarcophagus, eating something too horrifying for the narrator to mention, though the fact that it is found in the sarcophagus suggests that Abigail is eating her own previous body. Appalled, they take her away to bury her in a hidden chapel in the forest with seven silver spikes driven through her body, a burial heard uh, as the intro of the album, in the hope that it will prevent a further resurrection. So that is the story of Abigail. It's fucking Damn. metal as shit, bro. Yeah, it's actually pretty awesome. A great fucking... album, and it's my favorite. Sorry, continue. Uh, so, like, uh, King Diamond has written an insane amount of lyrics. He has 12 so uh, solo albums and five with Merciful Fate. Like, that's... I find it really hard to write lyrics, and he's written 19 <clears throat> albums, at least. <laughs> I want to drop his discography in the chat right now. I have it here. His last album, I believe, came out in 2019 or something. Jeez. He had a hiatus from 2007. Oh, no, his al his newest album is about to come out in 2021, The Institute. Um, but, yeah, he's got a ton of releases. Good for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, does anyone want to say anything else about Abigail? Or yeah. should we move on? Move on. Great album. All right, next, we have Them. This is my second favorite album that we listened to. 
I will also be... So Them is an 11-track record in, uh, released in 1988. It is the first of two fictional concept albums about King and his mentally ill grandmother, the second of these being, being 1989's Conspiracy. King falls into a harrowing descent into madness via his grandmother and the voices in the house of Amon, known uh, to the listener only as Them. So this is a two-part cover uh, uh, concept album, and I, now I'm going to show you the album artwork that I hate and despise it's the album we didn't talk about conspiracy is the last one that they played with the drummer uh, mickey uh, uh whatever his name was mickey uh, the guy who went on to play with uh motorhead and here's the album artwork that came uh after it Ugh. like yeah you, know, you were on such a good run you were doing so well yeah it looks like dog it looks like he's getting uh fisted up the ass when they took that picture uh i don't <laughs> i don't like i love the album art on them man it's it's creepy. It's yeah, ominous. It I fucking I, that is that and Abigail. It's a hard tie for like my yeah. favorite album artwork. But what is the uh, what's that movie? The horror movie, the Hitchcock one, like the famous Psycho. One. Yeah, Psycho. <laughs> it's this. This reminds me of like like the Psycho House or something like some like hotel or whatever like big place that's like off in the distance. It's like creepy as hell. It reminds me of the yeah. Amityville Horror. That's what it really. Yeah, or something like that, yeah. yeah. It's fucking creepy. I love the album artwork, though. Oh, it's great. I was saying he was on such a great run until Conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. What happened there? Uh, he was getting fisted. I need answers. He's getting fisted in the ass, bro. That's what happens. I need answers. Every band has their spaghetti incident. That's, that's true, yes, they do. Uh, Chinese democracy is worse, but all right. <clears throat> so we're talking about album artwork. Yeah, the artwork. It's... The spaghetti incident has that shitty ass artwork of the. Sp do I need to drop it in the chat? No, we don't need. No, to no, 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 no. I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to watch it. You don't no. need to see it again. Um, oh, uh, singles on this album apparently "Welcome Home" and "T." Yes. Jomo, do you want to say anything about it? Uh, like I said, listen to "Welcome Home." Uh, first time was actually listening to any King Diamond was in uh, after watching Clerks Two. I was like, man, I, I really got to find out who the fuck this band is, right? And yeah. listen to I listened to Welcome Home. I thought it was like holy shit, man. The whole album, like, it was definitely produced vastly better than the previous two, than um, Abigail and Fatal Portrait. I, it just it's is better quality. Um, the the drumming the the drummer Mickey D definitely can can fill and play his transitions and timing is very well choreographed. I mean. I think "Welcome Home" is my favorite song from the album. I think that um, it's 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 an interesting concept album. I, I think like the 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 fucked up shit that it talks about, like you know, uh, King's sister being killed and all that shit. The way she was killed was pretty fucking sick in that in the song. I forget the fucking goddamn song that's associated with it. But um, I like the solo on um, "Accusation Chair." Um, and for me, I think this was my my favorite album. Okay, and I think it was an interesting concept album. I think it offers uh, uh, it opened King Diamond up to a lot of different things, and it definitely you could tell it influenced a lot of other bands. Man, I fucking for sure love this album. Dude, That's every every metal band on earth was influenced by Black Sabbath and King Diamond. Yeah, like literally every it's it's crazy how many people were influenced by King Diamond. It's yeah, I think everything the instrumentals were definitely on point, but definitely a better quality of recording. Man, you could definitely tell yeah. it was great. Yeah, yeah. This band is no slouch. None of them are slouches. I'm right. gonna open this brew. I want to hear if we can get two for two. All right. All right, two for two. Oh, nice. Ooh, that's hot. Okay. That's hot. Very hot. This is a turning point for the show. We're back oh, on. Yeah. We're back on target. We're back. We're fucking pro now. 
Yeah, I, th- I think "Welcome Home" is my uh, my favorite song by this band, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think the recording quality is is uh, the best here. That's about what I have to say about this album. I, this one might be my favorite, also. Yeah, so I was talking about um, I can't remember the record I was listening to with one of my buddies yesterday, and um, some bands nail it right away, like they have their best album first try. Some of them take two, three, four, five attempts to get there, but they get there at some point. Um, and yeah, it's nice to at least see people constantly growing and getting tighter and, and, you know, learning maybe what they do better than something else and, and trying to use more of that. Um, yeah, this is a great record. I don't know. Abigail stuck with me a little more, um, but it's definitely good. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to read you guys the, uh, (coughs) story of this record. Oh yeah. All right. Ready? So here we go. This is the storyline of them. As the album opens, a young king and his mother and sister are welcoming King's grandma home from a mental asylum. That night, King investigates strange voices and discovers his grandmother having a tea party seemingly alone, though with the teacups and kettles floating in the air. King is invited into the room to sit in his grandma's chair. King is uh, sent back to bed, but only after staring into his grandmother's eyes, whereupon she instructed him to forget what he saw. On another occasion, Grandma awakens King and tells him that she will teach him about the house of Amon over a cup of tea. Amon being the teapot, their, uh, their item of power and importance that seemed to require a blood sacrifice. Through the blood, they uh, commu- commutate or take control of those who drink it. Grandma cuts King's sleeping mother's hand and adds her blood to the teapot. After drinking the tea, the voices haunting the house begin to affect King with a drug-like effect. King's sister, Missy, tries to convince King that they should do something to help uh, their mother, who is unconscious and weak due to their control and possible blood loss, but his judgment is clouded due to his altered state. He refuses to call for help and cuts the phone line. At tea, Missy interrupts and furiously expresses concern about her mother's state. Missy, being deemed a problem, is attacked by Grandma, and in spiteful retaliation, Missy breaks Amon the teapot. They, in furious response of the breaking of their beloved teapot, Amon, chop Missy into bits with an axe and throw the remains into the fireplace in the kitchen. Their focus no longer on King, he snapped out of his spell, and he stumbles outside and pieces together the events that transpired. After fainting and regaining consciousness, he decides to attack his grandmother. He notices that their power is weakened outside of the house, so he lures his grandma outside and kills her. The voices of Amon continue to haunt the boy as he is questioned by police and incarcerated in an asylum. Years later, he is released and returns home to find his grandmother and the voices of Amon are still very much alive. And that, yeah, that's it. It's fucking metal as shit, bro. It's metal, bro. It's metal as shit, dude. Fucking it's metal as shit. Yeah. Blood sacrifice, brother. Let's go. Like there, there's certain things in media that I wonder if people are willing to um, not cross the line to have like shit writing, right? And King Diamond is is that he he's writing this story that just gets more brutal as it goes. There's a movie called Searching for a Friend for the End of the World, and I'm gonna spoil it because it's like 10 years old. But it has Steve Carell, and pretty much um, what happens is like there's an asteroid that's gonna hit Earth, and there's no way to divert it so they pretty much said like you have a week to live and then everyone's gonna die right so like all the people are just doing whatever they want they're like fucking anybody they want they're stealing shit they're doing drugs just whatever the hell that they want to do that they weren't able to do you know in regular society and then uh steve carell meets uh this girl i can't remember how but they become kind of this team and at the very end of the movie you know she's like i'm i'm happy we got to meet and then like the whole screen goes black and i was surprised that they went there 
because they actually killed everybody on earth. And I, I was like, Oh, don't tell me that they were going to have some diversion at the very end where it's like, Oh, everybody gets to live now. And we live happily ever after. Cause it's like, like I was like, does, does this director have the balls to go there? And they did. So good for them. Whoever directed that movie. Good for you. Jack Falcon approves. Can I tell you a, a, a movie I just watched recently that reminds me of that, except uh, the opposite or something. It's a movie called seven years. Uh, it's a, it's a Spanish language movie. And uh, so imagine four people commit a crime and one of them has to go to jail to like take like, you know, jump on the grenade. Uh, One goes to jail. So that way uh, the rest of them uh, can be free. Right. So they spend uh, the movie trying to uh, argue which one of them deserves to go to jail. So it's like an hour and a half of finger pointing. And then their lawyer called and said, oh, good news. I found a way to get us all out of it. You're all innocent or like you're you're all going to get off. And mm-hmm. so not like they spent an hour and a half revealing all yeah. of their dirty laundry and making each other hate each other. And now they have to continue as a company, even though they're fucking mortal enemies. I, for some reason, I feel like that's a movie that Tarantino would have made. <laughs> and no, it's not, it sounds awesome. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a good movie. I liked it. They pretty much betrayed everybody. And then they didn't, they didn't have to do that. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Good. Some dirty I ass shit. <laughs> That's embarrassing. You know, I re- I recently watched an insightful movie about a young woman who likes to um she likes to fellage people and uh, she gets around. It's called Debbie Does Dallas. I'm, have you ever seen Debbie Does Dallas? I heard about it. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Great, great movie. I think it's very insightful. What do you very mean great movie. That's like seventies porn, bro. You can't go back to seventies porn in twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, all that fucking seventies porn bush. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't go back, bro. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit. All right. <laughs> Dude, porn, porn is like a one-way valve, bro. You can go, you can go forward. You can't go back. You don't. You're thinking about it in the concept of time traveling, and yes, we can. You have to appreciate the past to move forward. No, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next after this, we have the last album we're going to talk about, which is the Eye. This record was killed. Um, Critically, I guess there's only one review on Wikipedia, and it got two stars, where the other ones got like four and a half or five. And I think all of the Merciful Fate records, the original two at least, uh, got um, like five out of five stars, 10 out of 10, whatever. Um, and here's the eye. And it's not as good of a cover as the other ones, but it's not as uh, offensive as cons- Conspiracy is. Uh, this record pretty mm. much, the cover pretty much does what it needs to. It shows this uh, pendant type thing, and there's an eye in the center. I'm going to talk about the, this is another concept album. I'm going to talk about it. This one is a lot shorter to read. <laughs> And also, I won't be, um, I cut out pretty much, this is like French-based, and I cut out a lot of names because I couldn't pronounce them. And you know what's funny? I, w- I looked up one of the names. Like, I was Googling how to pronounce it because I've messed up so many pronunciations because I suck at pronouncing things, and I don't know anything about other, you know, like French. I don't know anything about French. And I looked up, I'm, I, dude, I'm not even joking. I looked up the person's last name, and there was one Google result, right? Dude, there was one Google result, and it said, guess what? Big black cocks. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. A, there was I, one. Type the last name in. Type the because I, I, I took French. So hang on. All right, hang on a second. Let me find it, dude. There was one Google result with this with this word. Big black cocks. Uh, Here, you... this is the this is the this is the last. No, that's not even it. That's the wrong one. Hang on a second. Oh my god. So I'll talk about <laughs> I'll talk about the drummer Mikey D. Um, two of his influences actually were my influencers. So Neil. Per- Neil Peart uh, and yeah, so he's just just to, to clarify, he is not on this album. I know he's not. I okay. know they got a different okay. drummer for for yeah. for for this album. I think yeah. Mickey D left after uh, right after fucking um them came out. 
Uh, he's yeah. on conspiracy. I, I, he's I, on conspiracy? The fact that, okay. Uh, yes, he is. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they recorded those albums back to back because they are two uh, pieces of the same story. I don't know what anything about it, but that's all. Anyway, I don't know. Here's the, I have the word. I have the name. Here it is. Okay. Let me see. Avant? I don't know. Avant. <laughs> I don't know, but when you Google that, all that comes up is one result that says Big Black Hawks. Big Black Hawks. <laughs> What's on? I don't, I don't even want to go into your Google search history. I think we should just move forward. Holy shit. That's fine. So th- this album, I think, is still good. I don't, I don't like it as much as the previous two. It has an interesting storyline. Uh, and this one actually uses... Um, like okay, so I won't read the the story yet, but his his two prior concept albums have been told from the perspective of the protagonist. This one is told from the view of a narrator. In uh, the main parts of the stories told on this album are true and took place during the French Inquisition from 1450 to 1670. So the characters in this, I mean, whether the story is completely the same or not, the characters actually were real people who existed and uh, the events were real. So. Uh, it's cool. I, I, I like when, when people go out of their way to kind of make this one long story thing. And, and it's, it's not the easiest to, to piece together, but no, it's there and it's, it's cool. Uh, so the eye, I thought um, the, the recording quality was weak. Uh, what, what, maybe uh, the guitars were recorded uh, in, on a solid state amp or something. I think there was, uh, and we talked about this echoey sound that, uh, you know, it's, it's weak sounding. Uh, so I, I thought the recording quality was uh, weak. But I think the songwriting felt a little less spastic to me. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of like this one. So I've always said, like, music is like, it's kind of like a cone, right? Um, you have, like, the, the bigger end and the smaller end, right? And, and the more popular that you want to get, you have to go towards the smaller end. Uh, because the, the wider end is, like, where all these crazy ideas are. And that's cool and everything. And it's great. But, it, like, if you're going to be mainstream or whatever or or reach a wider audience you are eventually going to reach the other end of the funnel where a lot of your ideas are kind of compressed or removed or whatever to be something more like other things so i can see there being more repetition at some point like at some point you don't want to be selling x amount of records when it's possible to sell more if you change a couple of things or whatever whether you want to or not you, know, you could be primus and never change anything or you can be some you know other bands and change a couple things which as long as you're comfortable with it it could open up a whole audience for you and you, you can make tons more money or whatever so like one time yahtzee who, who does zero punctuation he was talking about sequels of games and he said is this the sequel that like everybody loves and is like reviewed well or is this the sequel that means uh, get a dumb truck and carry your money home in it so uh it depends i guess where you want to go Jomo, what did you think of this record? So I, I thought it was pretty good. I could definitely tell that they had a different drummer on this. Um, the fills, transitions, um, just it's it's definitely a lot more kind of bridging from 80s to modern metal. You can definitely tell. My favorite drum parts were on Father Picard. I thought they were fucking amazing. I still like Mikey D. I just think, uh, fuck, man. I, I, I thought I remembered the name of this drummer who was on this album. I'm, I'm looking him up right now. I can't remember, but I know Mikey D. Great, great drummer. I'm not going to take anything away from him. His influences are same of the influences that I have is Neil Peart and, and um, Buddy Rich. However, I just feel that this drum, the drummer on this album had better timing and was just a little bit faster. More, more kind of like related to speed metal, and, but still like a little bit slower than uh you know what you would want in like fucking thrash or something you know chris white meyer snow snowy shaw yeah i think it's snow shaw snowy shaw mm-hmm. yeah he also played on the uh, merciful fate album in 94 time 
Really? Nice. So he stuck around them. Uh, he's also a guitar player. There's a there's the picture of him on Wikipedia is him playing a guitar and singing. So I guess he's just good at everything. So there's a lot of great songs in there. I like the concept album, like, you know, like the Witch Trials and shit like that. Those are, I mean, the guy, King Diamond's evil, right? The dude's a fucking uh, a Satanist. Right? I love, who's yes. Anton LaVey, whoever the hell that guy is. Yep. He he's a he follows his uh, batch of Satanism, whatever he held, damn heathen. And to me, it's like he he's actually he's a great writer. I think King Diamond's a great writer, right? But if he would just yeah. not give me ear rape with the falsetto screaming, and and I think on this album he had a little bit, he varied a little bit. There was like uh, there's a lot of different. He wasn't just like doing that shit anymore. He was mixing shit up. You know, I don't yeah. want to hear a cat being fucking murdered. I, I want to hear some guy screaming, you know? Uh, every time you falsetto, your mic cuts out. I think it's because it, it hits something too high, so it brings it down like 80% or whatever. It's, it's probably best that I don't, no one else <laughs> hears that shit anyway, so. So uh, it says that he's a, he's adept, uh, Snowy is adept at playing guitar as well as drums. He's the, pri he's the primary songwriter in Dream Evil. In 2006, he joined the symphonic metal band Therion, and then on, um, in August... Uh, 2010, he was announced to be the new bassist and clean vocalist of the symphonic black metal band uh, Demu, Demu Bourgier. I don't know if you heard Bourgier. Yeah, uh, although he was only officially a member for one day and then he quit and rejoined Therion. Yeah, so I, you know, so to me, I, that's not even a relevant thing for for Snowy Shot to actually bring that shit up, right? Like, there, there's there's no point in him bringing that shit up because <laughs> yeah, I know. one Demu Bourgier. You could definitely tell that Mickey D influenced um, a previous drummer. He he drummed for Cradle of Filth and for Demu Borgir. His name's Nicholas Barker. Nicholas Barker, his um his heel toe rock for fucking his double bass at two hundred fifty to two eighty beats per minute, fucking savage. Like I've never seen such grace. But you could definitely tell that Mickey D influenced that guy, and maybe even Snowy Shaw put some influence uh, to to Nicholas Barker's drumming style, but. Other than that, just getting back to the album, I think the album is um, it's it's pretty fucking it's it's still badass. I still like it's kind of a loose concept though. It's not like to me, it's kind of like a, a cliche. Like, hey, we could talk about witch trials. How many other artists have talked about you know the Inquisition and witch trials and things and shit like that? Right, but this this album is also from like 1990. So like, I don't know how many in the past 30 years have, but. Okay. It, you know, I don't know. In 1990, maybe not that many people were doing it. I don't know. Yeah, fuck me, right? You were still shitting diapers in 1990, so. No, I was not. I had dignity. Okay. I was white. I was dump trucking on the floor, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> actually, I have no concept of, of ages of children. So, yeah, actually, you probably weren't shitting diapers in 1990. Yeah, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, you were. <laughs> so, there's the uh, the lineup of, uh, of King Diamond down there. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Quite a, quite a bit of different musicians. Holy shit. Yeah, Andy LaRock is fucking, is fucking savage, man. They, he, I, I've never been more impressed. And I'm usually like, guitarists, I just throw them to the wayside. They're not important to me because they're a dime a dozen. But I was impressed with Andy LaRock. And like his, his, riffs, his riffs, his licks, his solos, fucking his composition of those riffs. I just I'm thoroughly impressed, man, because it has an '80s feel, but at the same time, it feels like it's bridging that gap to modern metal, man. And so, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely hinting at it. Yeah, you if could, it's not 
bridging it. Yeah, you can, you can definitely... he's he's awesome. I he, love he's him. A big I'm surprised man. I've never heard of him. I, I must have read things about him and just didn't realize who he was. I've never heard his name before. But there's a ton of comments in YouTube videos that are like, "This dude is one of the greatest guitar players of all time," and he definitely is. He's up there. He's amazing. Look at the per look at the member directly under uh, King Diamond. He was there for like two days. Nice. Floyd Constantin. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a Welsh. I'm sorry. All right, but I. I... I don't know, man. Like King Diamond, it was a. Gr I love the instrumentals of King Diamond, yes, and I'm absolutely. glad that you know Mr. Rob Fortune said, "Hey, let, we're gonna listen to King Diamond." I thought it was good. I thought the instrumentals were good. It's the falsetto ear rape that I heard that just drives me to like not really want to listen to them, you know, on a consistent basis. Uh, other than that, though, if they if he just growled or did something else or. Or maybe had a female singer. I don't know. I just feel like it was yeah. the falsetto screaming was too much for me. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. I, I'm on the up right now with King Diamond, so I'm cool with it. But probably in a couple days, I'll be on the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I in chunks, I loved it. But uh, yeah, it's it's too much. So there's a, there's a saying that like uh, the musicians who become really great spend a period of their career overplaying and are too much and are too obnoxious and then they calm it down the people who never like have a period of overplaying never learn how to like express themselves truly and they're boring their entire career like the drummer of cake <laughs> so um yeah so i i do th i do think that you need somebody who's ballsy enough to uh push something and do something different and be a little bit annoying i don't, I don't know um I, th I think there's a reason that he's known for this and nobody else is because uh he went a little too annoying with it but uh i don't fault him for it i don't know i, I do wish that this band uh was a little more constant in the vocals uh, section because you know if there's going to be that many guitar riffs in a song if you had one vocal sound it would be less overwhelming for me yeah yeah it's, it's not even that he doesn't have the the skill or ability to do right. the other styles he just doesn't yeah. want to yeah yep 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 yeah. And I mean, that could be because he doesn't want to disappoint fans. As soon as that, as soon as he stops doing it, whoever loves are going to be like, "Hey, this shit's changed." Again, we we uh, we talked about I can't remember if it was Cake, which episode it was, but you're going to reach a point where it's like you you lose either way. There's no winning. You either change stuff to become better or not better, but different, um, and ch and change everything up. And people go like, "Oh, you changed," or you play the same shit, and those same people are like, "Oh, you sound the same, and you've never." you know you've never changed so you, you reach a point where you there's no winning uh, he's stuck yeah i mean I, I i think that he's stuck in this but he could change it like when i think of i talked about career ending um albums like warning by green day like not that it's a bad record but it just doesn't do anything for the band and then they come up with american idiot and it changes everything i i <laughs> he's still going because he's he's old he's like 65 now but he could change it he has an album coming out and i don't know what it's like but if he if he already, you know, had these thoughts and, and wanted to change things up, he could have a whole renaissance of, at, of, if, of him, of King Diamond. If Ozzy Osbourne is still going, that dude is him and who, who's a fucking guitarist from... Uh, oh, Tony Naomi? No, 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 from Aerosmith. Oh, S Steve Perry? Yeah, that, that dude's hanging on by a prayer. So is Mick Jagger. If these old British fuckers can keep going, man, um, King Diamond can keep going, man. Satan is keeping oh, him up and yeah. alive and spreading, you know, his fucking his word of hate. So one person who does it really well is uh, Michael Starr. He does these high, 
ridiculous J david lee roth things but he does them sparingly and they're funny and i think that uh it's it's done since it's done on like a sparing basis and it's funny and it's it's done well uh nobody ever gets bored of that right but yeah, yeah. like you were saying like constant 45 minute long album of this constant falsetto type stuff i was saying like it, it's it can be a lot to take in and it can be annoying to some people like i said i just pressed play for one second becca was like i hate this so um. so two things <laughs> i like that volbeat song because it is king diamond it's him it's it's him but it's constrained a little bit, so I like that. Also, right. Judas Priest is falsetto all the time, and that bothers me less because it's like it's one thing, and then you can hear the guitars, and you're not distracted by all of it. You know, you just all all falsetto all the time is good too. I don't know. Yeah, so like maybe this is the idea for King Diamond: make an album where it's like you have the band play, you have a guest singer on every song, and you do the little painting pieces like you did with Volbeat. Because uh, one thing that I liked was his like haunting back uh, melodies or whatever he was doing back there. And then he comes in for his signature thing. So, you know, it's him. And then you have the other guy taking over. So it's it's in moderation that you have to take it in. Um, Yeah. And it sounded good. I like that song. I, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I, I believe they're both from Sweden originally. That's how they. Um, they Denmark. People, they're from Denmark. Yeah. So that's how they knew about each other, I guess, and got together. Um, I would have never, ever thought Volbeat would have uh, done anything with King Diamond. So that was cool to see. I do want to read the story quickly of the eye. It's only one paragraph. It's not very long. So the story starts off with an unnamed character finding a necklace called the eye that allows him slash her to see the events the necklace was witness for in the past. They see an accused witch named Jean being tortured and burned at the stake. Next, they see two little girls finding the necklace in the ashes at the stake and what they see when they look into the eye kills them. Finally, there is the story of Madeline, a nun working in the Louvier's uh, convent who finds the necklace and decides to put it on. After being raped by Father David, she uses the necklace to kill him by making him look into it. Shortly after, the new chaplain, Father Picard, arrives and starts bringing everyone to communion. He winds up lacing their communion wine with some substance that lets him control their minds and uses a group of nuns, including Madeline, to ritually torture and kill children. In 1642, they are all arrested and imprisoned. And that's the story of the eye. Damn. It's pretty fucking metal, bro. Yeah, I, the dude's metal, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the whole thing here is he just needs to kind of do it a little a little more in moderation, and he would be much more socially accepted by people. That's, that's really it. Yeah. I mean, they all they all have they all have great talent and they're great musicians. They've been around forever. They've influenced everybody. It's just, um, yeah, you're either going to like it or love it. But maybe in his new album, he decides to do things a little bit differently. And next thing you know, King Diamond is the biggest guy on the planet. I just wish that the you know. ear, ear rape would stop. I mean, that's the only thing that I didn't like about the albums. Like the albums had too much ear rape. So other than that, instrumentals, beautiful. They're savage. Very Savage. They're, they're all enduring. The bass, the bass was sick. The guitarist, Ain't Rock's fucking, uh, you know, that dude's got like a twelve-inch long man to be playing. Oh, at fucking least, licks at that least. Well. The drum, Mikey D, uh, Snowy Shaw, fucking. The, they put. I think Mikey D will put Lars Ulrich to. He he puts Lars Ulrich to shame. Automatically. Yeah. What do you mean? I think, bro. You literally. I, you could put. So what? You, what you happens? Lars Ulrich at the bottom, was, and then you're like, "Oh, I think he does." I'm on my last synapse in my brain. Like, there's yeah. like, I'm firing on one cylinder right now, and it's not even firing well. So. No. No, it's not. No, nah, not at all. Good. Good episode. 
was yeah, great. great. I'm, I'm happy we listened to King Diamond. I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole thing, through his whole discography, but I will at least listen to his new album when it comes out, and hopefully in 2021. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely will. I'll give it a listen. But um, uh, any final thoughts, anyone? Um, I, from what I heard, uh, King Diamond was a legit Satanist uh, in the 80s, and then he calmed down to uh, just regular uh, atheism. Which, uh, you know, is common for humans. Like when you're 18, 20, whatever, you're full of angst and you're angry and you, you want to, you know, prove something. And then uh, when you're a little bit older, you calm down and uh, I don't know. That's what I want to say. He married a woman half his age. You know that he's, he's, got a, he's, he's probably got a big dick, bro. I'm not going to lie. Oh, of course. He, he was, look, at, he, look at the lyrics. He was a he was a baby that was born with a big dick. He's what we <laughs> talked about last episode, man. Yeah, and he just I knew know. it. Like he's just he's like I could be weird as fuck and paint my look at this dick. Look at Jumbo, this dick. are you on a are you on a list somewhere? I should be. I should be on a list. Yeah, I should. definitely should be on a list. But Jumbo, what are we listening to next week? Uh, you didn't uh, even tell us. Are you ready? Time. Are you ready? Yes. yes. Okay. It starts two words. Breaking Benjamin, what's up? Rob looks. So- <laughs> ah, you guys are so disappointed. You guys are so disappointed. I'm not disappointed. I haven't. I'm. I'm gonna let me. I want to see how many CDs there. So we're gonna do the first four albums. Okay. And I, I'll, I'll I'll make another channel. I'll drop them in. But Rob is like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't want to listen. Dude, to you guys shit. are gonna love. You guys are gonna love my choice next week. You're really gonna love it. Is it? Is, does it deal with ass eating? No, but if you don't love it, you have no soul. Okay. All right. So well, their first four albums. Let me let me see. Uh, so okay. We, so they they only have six. So saturate. We are not alone. Phobia and dear agony from two thousand and two to th- two thousand and nine. And it looks like that's where they took a hiatus or something because their next album is there, is in two thousand fifteen. So. Yeah, they, there's a lot of scandal that we'll talk about. Um, it, I want you to actually do that research because there's a lot of shit that uh, the lead singer Ben Burnley is like going through a lot of shit. And and you'll see, you could read up on it. It's it's he's actually I think he's one of my favorite artists from the early two thousands. Um, okay. Just I, when I listen to this guy, I'm like, holy shit, man! Like, there's some pain in there. Not a lot of pain, but a little bit of pain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm up for it. I haven't thought about that band in forever. Hell yeah! So, Rob you said, "Saturate, we are not alone." Phobia, dear agony. Yep. Yep. Yes. Okay. And Got it. Just because that's that's where I really stopped was at Dear Agony, and then I, you know, you 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 want to listen to different bands, you want to listen to different genres, shit like that. So, but yeah. these are four great albums, and I think everyone would like to listen to them. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you, everyone. If you haven't, you can go fuck yourself today. Enjoy your week. Stay healthy. Get some sun. Good episode. See you next week. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye bye.